back to another episode of The Box Seat. Once again, I'm your host, Nathan Matheson. You can follow me on Twitter at Nathan Matheson. On today's episode, I'll be breaking down Washington's upcoming opponent, the Oregon Ducks. Before getting too far into this episode, here is a short word from our sponsor, Elm Coffee Roasters. Open in Pioneer Square and SLU for takeout and indoor seating, order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. Now, let's jump right into the podcast where I talk about the upcoming game for Washington against Oregon. Now, Washington is currently riding a two-game winning streak. It's their second time of the season on such a streak. But now, the 4-4 Huskies are faced with their greatest challenge yet. The 7-1 Oregon Ducks, who are ranked number four in the CFP. Does Washington have a shot? Yeah, they've got a shot. How likely is it that they win? Not very likely. Now, Oregon is a good team. They've got a complete team. They've got big-time players on offense and big-time players on defense. Digging into some of the numbers behind this 7-1 season, they don't wow you in terms of the total yards or yards in any particular aspect of their offense, but overall, it's a well-rounded offense. Their offense is a better running offense than passing offense. Running the ball, they're 25th best in the country, averaging 204.9 yards per game. That is going to be an issue for Washington. Washington has shown an inability to stop the run, and now they're going up against a team that is a running team. They can pass the ball, but their main focus is running. Now, Washington did just have their best game against the run since maybe Arkansas State, but this time it was against Stanford. However, Stanford, even though they are a Pac-12 school, they're the worst team in the Pac-12 on the ground. They're bottom 10. I think they're 125th in rushing yards per game. So if Washington hadn't been able to stop them on the ground, then yeah, you might as well have fired everybody. But they did stop them. Now, Oregon is going to be a whole nother story than Stanford. Oregon is led by a guy named Travis Dye, who he can quite literally do it all for Oregon on offense. Dye has run for 609 yards, averaging 5.7 yards per carry. And he's also run for 10 touchdowns in the eight games. He is going to be a handful for this Washington defense. And oh yeah, I'm almost forgetting his receiving numbers. He leads the team in catches on the year with 24 and is second on the team in terms of receiving yards with 264. So Dye has about 870 all-purpose yards between receiving and running. Now, if you thought it was going to be tough to just stop Dye... Well, now you have to add in Oregon's other running back, C.J. Verdell. And wow, does Washington now have their hands full. Verdell has 406 yards on the year, running an average of 5.2 yards per carry. So not quite as good as Dye, but still, when you're getting over 5 yards per carry, you're definitely doing something right. And, oh yeah, Verdell also has 6 rushing touchdowns. So between the two backs... They have 16 touchdowns on the ground, and each of them, I believe, has one receiving touchdown. So that's 18 touchdowns between the two players. Looking at Oregon and looking at their backs they have, considering where I think the game is going to go, I would not be shocked if they ran for over 300 yards against Washington, similar to how Michigan did that. I would not be shocked at all. Now moving on to the passing game, Oregon is led by senior Anthony Brown at quarterback. 
And overall, Oregon's passing offense is kind of middle of the road, middle of the pack, 64th in yards per game with 238.2. Brown has thrown for 1,797 yards. He has 10 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Looking at game logs, you can tell that Oregon would much rather run the ball the majority of the game versus pass it the majority of the game. The four most recent games for Oregon, which also happened to be four where it was a close game, or in the sake of the Colorado game, Colorado put up a lot of points, so Oregon kind of had to match that output or exceed that output. And in each of those four games, there were four of the five games in which Brown threw the most passes. So that, to me, shows Oregon would much rather just coast to a win, handing the ball off. But when the opposition puts up a fight, when it's a one or two possession game, they're more than comfortable having Brown sling the ball 30 plus times in a game. And that's going to be big. If Washington can stay within a touchdown or a possession or two of Oregon, then they can force Brown to throw the ball more often. And that plays into Washington's strength as they are the number one ranked pass defense in college football. So before getting into talking about Oregon's defense and my final points, here is a word from our sponsor. Open since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high-quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and a joy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make a truly exceptional cup of coffee and an experience you look forward to every day. Cafes in Pioneer Square and SLU open for takeout and dine-in service. Use code PODCAST at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 15% off your next coffee order. Now, back to the podcast on Oregon. I'm going to be looking at Oregon's defense. Now, Oregon's defense, they aren't anything too special as a unit. Against the run, they're a little above average in ranking 41st, allowing 133.2 yards per game. So can Washington take advantage of perhaps the holes they might have against the run game? Maybe, but Washington has not shown the ability to run the ball with any sort of consistency game to game. They had a good game against Stanford. Stanford's not good against the run. Can they put together another complete game on the ground against Oregon, who is much better than Stanford against the run? That's yet to be seen, and that will be big test for Washington and will be a big key for Washington if they want to pull off the upset. Now against the pass, Oregon isn't very good. They rank 107th, allowing 261 yards per game through the air. That brings up another question. Can Dylan Morris take advantage of any slip-ups that an Oregon defensive back may have, any busted coverage that Oregon may have? Can he take advantage of that? And that doesn't just fall on Morris's Shoulders, though, that also lands on the play calling and the coaches. Will Washington call enough passes down the field as in 15, 20-yard passes, deep post routes, maybe deep crossing routes, go routes versus just slants, intermediate, short crossing routes where they don't really take advantage of busted coverage? So if Washington is able to call enough passes down the field, then not only could they take advantage of maybe a busted coverage that happens, They also can help open up the run game and prevent Oregon from simply loading the box with eight men and preventing the run. 
it has come to a point where it doesn't matter how bad or how good the opposition's defense is. What matters for Washington is what type of game the Washington coaches call. Do they call a conservative game where they're just handing the ball off, not taking advantage of anything? Then if they do that, it's not going to be a good game. But if Washington's coaches call a game where they open up the playbook, they have Morris throwing the ball deep, they they have these deep play actions taking advantage of the eight-man boxes, then you could see some success and you're more likely to pull off the upset. Now, while Oregon's overall defensive numbers aren't too gaudy, they do have a couple of big-time players, specifically in Kayvon Thibodeau and Noah Sewell. Those two players can really win the game for Oregon with their impact. Sewell is Oregon's leading tackler on the year with 69 tackles, and then he also has three sacks, two pass deflections, and a forced fumble. He is a complete player. Now, Thibodeau, everybody in college football really knows who Thibodeau is. He isn't having the stat-stuffing year that some people might think he'd have with only 25 tackles, four sacks, and two forced fumbles, but that's really because of teams game-planning completely to stop him. Teams know he's a big part on Oregon's defense, and they specifically put him in the game plan in ways to stop him, ways to slow him down, as he's a predicted top five pick and maybe the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft. He can wreck games all by himself if he's left alone, if he's left on one-on-one, if he's not run away from. So if Washington doesn't double-team him, doesn't run away from him, or at the very least doesn't chip-block him with a tight end or running back each play, then he is going to be in Morris's face the entire game and causing hell for Washington's quarterback and running back. Oregon also has some good playmakers in the secondary. Vernon McKinley has four interceptions on the year. So the Ducks have playmakers really on defense and offense. They are going to be hard to stop and hard for Washington to get anything going on their offensive end. Now, getting into my predictions, I can't pick against Oregon, so I'm going to have to pick Oregon as they're the better team. They have the better coaches. They have more talent on their roster through recruiting. Can Washington win? Yeah. But it would really require them to play perfect and for Oregon to make a couple of careless mistakes where Washington then capitalizes off it. In the end, I'll predict the final score is 34-17. to 17. Once again, I'm Nathan Matheson. You can follow me on Twitter at Nathan Matheson. And this has been The Box Seat, which you can also follow on Twitter at Box Seat Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to tune in again next week on Saturday, where I'll be previewing UW's game against ASU. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good rest of your day.